Coffee for today's episode of the Morning Spotlight Podcast was provided by Spotlighter Lanel Grammatica. Thanks, Lane. Really appreciate it. And for all the Spotlighters out there, if you want to support the show and keep us caffeinated, go to themorningspotlight.com and click Buy Mike a Coffee. The Morning Spotlight Podcast is sponsored by Fidelity National Title Group, the nation's largest group of title companies and title insurance underwriters that collectively issue more title insurance policies than any other title company in the United States. If you have questions, need a quote, or want to place an order, shoot yours truly, the coolest guy in title insurance, an email, and I'll be happy to help. Check the show notes for my email address. Hey, this is Steve Sims, and you're listening to The Morning Spotlight with Mike Hamm. Hey there, Spotlighters. Welcome back to another episode of The Morning Spotlight Podcast. Now, I'm looking at this guy's website, my guest today. I'm seeing him with Steven Tyler, John Travolta, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, all these rich and famous people. It's Steve Sims, and he's the author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. We talked to Steve about how he went from being a bricklayer back in London when he was a kid to then becoming a bouncer at Hong Kong nightclubs to now creating experiences for rich people, rich and famous people, and how he did that, his approach to networking, his approach to just life in general. Now, what you see is what you get with Steve. He does not pull punches, so if you're easily offended, this may or may not be may not be the episode for you, but the messages in here are incredible. So if you're into networking, if you want to learn how to network better, how to approach networking, give this one a listen. I really hope you enjoy it. Honestly, why am I still talking? Steve is way more entertaining than me. So let's hit that music. Now let's start the show. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. My guest today has been called the Real Life Wizard of Oz by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. He is a best-selling author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, a sought-after coach and speaker at a variety of networks, groups, and associations, including the Pentagon and Harvard twice. Now, let me ask the Spotlighters this. Do you know anyone that's worked with Sir Elton John or Elon Musk, sent people down to see the wreck of the Titanic on the seabed or closed museums in Florence for a private dinner party and had uh, Bocelli serenade them while they ate their pasta? Well, you do now. He's Steve Sims, and he's joining me on the Morning Spotlight. Steve, welcome. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm pumped. I mean, like I mentioned to you before we before we got started, uh, I, I listened to you talk at the most recent PodMax event. You were one of the keynote speakers there. And like I said, I mean, there was no way I was not asking Steve Sims to come on this show. And then there's just a wealth of Steve Sims on the internet, which is like what I basically has been spending my afternoon doing. So as you can imagine, it's been a crazy afternoon. And a complete waste of time. Yeah, right. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, uh, listen, I, I needed to make sure that I don't ask you all the same questions that you normally get asked. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a couple that, you know, because we need to define what blue fishing is, which we're going to do here in a minute. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I just needed more of the message. I just I just couldn't get enough of it. And I'm sure that the, the listeners uh, are going to feel the same way by the end of this episode. So at the beginning of this, let's let's talk about blue fishing, because that is the book. Uh, that is, you know, basically one of the, the things that I think that people that were at the Podmex event were talking about. They read the book, all that kind of stuff. The people that are not familiar with the book, maybe they think that's some type of Captain Ahab Moby Dick story, uh, but but it's not. Uh, just 
spoiler alert. Maybe, maybe uh, it is. It maybe be. it is. He, it he was be. a guy going for a big-ass whale that he was inadequate to do, and it killed him. So, you know, there I you don't go. know, maybe there's some synergies. Yeah, it could be. So so tell us, what, what are the origins of bluefish, bluefishing? Tell us about that. So, like most entrepreneurs, I grew up with no money. I won't say poor, but I would say financially restricted. Um, and I wanted more. And so I was aggravated and I was confused and I wanted to go and get it. And I tried to get loads of jobs where rich people were because I thought if I could hang around with rich people, I'd be rich. There's a, there's a common uh, uh, concept which works. You know, good things happen when you're in good rooms. Okay, so change the room you're in. I started hanging around with rich people. And funny enough, I became a doorman of a nightclub. And I started getting people into private events. And to get them into these private events, I needed to go, hey, go and see Jimmy, tell him Steve Sims sent you, and give him this password. And I just basically like humiliating people. So I just, uh, I think that's the narcissism in me. And I just, I used to say, hey, it's up to you, but name two of the Teletubbies. Or turn up and name the lion out of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. I'll finish this Dr. Zeus statement, one fish, two fish, red fish. So it literally was just a tongue-in-cheek, keep you smiling, know that you're humble because no egotistical prick's going to do that. And it got me the right kind of people, those people that weren't full of themselves, that wanted to laugh, were open-minded. But along the way, people started going, oh, you're that bluefish company. And we were like, ah, oh, they're taking that from our password. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay, if you say so, we are. And we adopted it. But then what happened is I've always been the kind of attitude, never give a client what they pay or ask for. If you do that, that's called a transaction, okay? Transactions can be systematized, and Amazon will put you out of business, okay? So always give a client more. Give them a surprise. Give them what they lusted for but was too shy to ask for. So that was my whole philosophy behind what I had at the time, which grew into the leading experiential concierge firm for millionaires and billionaires around the world. I always wanted to step up what the request was. Um, and that turned into an adjective. So people suddenly started going, oh, I threw a birthday party for my daughter and I bluefished the crap out of it. I had a, a dinosaur come in that mated with a giraffe, and then we had a trapeze act. And, you know, it was just all these kind of different things. And people were like, oh, yeah, I bought front row tickets to this concert, Stephen. You'll be happy because I bluefished my way backstage. And here's a picture of me with Taylor Swift. And I suddenly, and those are real things. Not not the dinosaur mate in the giraffe. But I think I was at know, that birthday party. It's weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. It got closed down. But, <laughs> I suddenly realized that people were given permission to go beyond what they believed or they were told what could happen. And that was the whole basis behind it. And it just grew. It was never, never trying to be anything. It was never trying to be the concierge firm that it turned into. And we've sent people down to the Titanic. We put them on stage with our favorite rock band. We've got them drum lessons by uh, Guns N' Roses, Guitar Lessons by ZZ Top. You know, we've done a whole host of name dropping, but the premise was always give people more than what they thought they could get. And when you did that, you bluefished it. Right. And, and so when I got asked to write a book, again, I didn't pick the title. I came up with all these other different titles, and they went, no, 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 bluefishing. The art of making things happen. And that's how it came about.
I, I think that's incredible. And, uh, but I do want to give the listeners, the spotlighters, a little bit of background on how, how you got to, it was a basically like a uh, bouncer essentially at a Hong Kong nightclub, right? Yeah. That's, that's where kind of this ball started to roll, but you mentioned that you grew up East London, right? That's where you grew up. Yep. And you uh, were basically a bricklayer and working with at the same biz, uh, bricklaying business or whatever you want to call it with your father, with your grandfather. So how does someone go from that lifestyle basically to get to all the way to here where basically you're talking about millionaires and billionaires. So how, what was the first thing that you did to kind of start that ball rolling? So I, I'm very precious um, of my time. So I tend to do things where I need to direct the outcome. Okay. So you may see me going left. That's because I want to get over here faster. And so it can sometimes seem a bit confusing, right. but that, that's my mindset. So I never wanted to throw a party with a bunch of rich people. I never wanted to get a bunch of rich people hanging around with celebrities. I wanted to impress you enough that you would have a conversation with me. And before podcasts came along, because let's be blunt, if this was now, I'd probably never have launched a company. I'd have just started a podcast. Right. You know, you get to have conversations with people you never normally would ever have a conversation with. Exactly. And you can be blunt and rude and go, hey, how did you do that? You know? And that's what an interview is. I did that when there wasn't any podcasts. So I started from the door, closing the bar down at 12 o'clock and allowing the VIPs to stay behind, where I would join them with a couple of drinks going, ah, so Jimmy, what are you working on at the moment? How did that come about? I was interviewing people because I knew I was poor and they were not. And I wanted to know why, you know, and it grew. Then I would throw private parties and then I would help people with, but it was a Trojan horse. Started off with closing nightclubs. Then I would take over a, a, a nightclub on a Tuesday night, you know, when it had bad traffic and I'd be like, Hey, I want to rent the whole thing out, you know? And, and then I would start taking over apartments. And then I would take over dealerships and I would take over yachts. And I just kept on taking over these different things and throwing these parties, making it interesting, never repeating it because, hey, I don't want repetition and I don't want you to know what to expect. So I can't go back to where I was. And it just kept on. And people would be like, oh, I love the way you think. Oh, by the way, I've got a product. I need to release this product. Do you do launch parties? Yeah, of course I do launch pie. Oh, can you do this for my wedding? Of course I can. Can you take over this mansion and throw me a barbecue? Yeah, of course I could do it. And then I'd find a way to do it. But it was only ever, and the only reason for it was to have a conversation with an affluent people and go, hey, why have you got it? And I ain't. And over 25 years, I learned some pretty decent things, which changed the way that I thought, changed the way I worked, and developed me. Now I was talking to people and, you know, not being you know, funny, but I'm no longer poor. And so I am the byproduct of what they taught me and that I used in that adaptation. Right. So talk to me about the, I think one of the things that I've heard you say a lot, because like I said, I mean, I've done ample research on Steve Sims is the basically like kind of the way that you grew up where, you know, if you said something to the wrong guy, you got popped in the mouth, right? If you said you were going to be there sure. uh, at eight o'clock on a Friday and you were there at eight Oh five, they were already gone because they were expecting you to be on time. Right. So yeah. talk to me about the importance 
of maybe that upbringing and trying to establish trust with a group. And I know that you just kind of touched on a little bit, but I would imagine as someone that doesn't necessarily run with a lot of rich and famous people, I would imagine that they may be a little bit more guarded. They may have their walls up a little bit more because I feel like they always have people that are trying to take from them. So how did you kind of, you know, get those barriers to kind of come down and get you into their world? I didn't. I acknowledged them. Okay. See, today what we want is clarity. In fact, today we want clarity more than we've ever wanted clarity. You know, we've got a whole world where we love to suddenly go out for a little march in the afternoon and go, oh, that's fake news. Oh, that oppression us. Oh, that never really happened. You know, the sunshine, it's, it doesn't exist. It's a Russian hoax. You know, we've got all of this going on on a freaking daily basis. We want clarity. So I would go up to someone if I had to, and there's a caveat. There's a second chapter to that. So put a pin in the next part of that answer. But I would go up to someone and go, hey, you know I'm probably after something by talking to you. And guess what, buddy? I am. But I'm aware you need this, and I can help that happen. Would that be of interest to you? Now, here's the daft thing. Let's play a little game. I plan, you probably already heard this on another thing, so you can alter the answer if you like. All right. If I have a barbecue party on a Saturday night and I invite you over to it, what's the first question you ask me? Well, I know what the answer is because... They give it. They give it. Sounds smart. What what should I bring? How many people don't ask that, though? A lot. People people will say, who's going to be there? What should I wear? What time is it? All of those kind of details, which they would get in an invite in any case. Sure. But they will ask all those questions. Then then the fourth, fifth, maybe sixth answer, if it appears, is, is there anything I can bring? Within relationships today, you should lead with what you can bring. You should make sure that anyone you go up to, you're bringing something to the party. If I want to get a meeting with you, okay, and we're going into the caveat, of the question. Yep. If I want to get a meeting with you, okay, I could come up to you and I could go, hey, how you doing? My name's Steve Sims. I could be a great guest on your podcast. Who does that help? You. Bingo. Okay. But if I came up to you and I said, hey, I've been watching your podcast for a while. It's a fantastic podcast. I'd love to be a guest on your podcast, but I've got a really good following of about 60,000 followers. I'd love to be able to expose those, uh, your podcast to my people. Would that be of interest? Yes, it would be. And then now all of a sudden you're bringing something to my party, baby. This is what we're doing. You're at the you morning go. spotlight party. Yeah, so that's the whole thing. People don't think like that. It's very, very easy. Sorry, my dog's been a nut here. I think my computer's going to suddenly leap off. Um, George, can you get the dog out? Sorry about that. Real life problems. Um, This is the work from home lifestyle. He's chewing a plug. Just pull him away. He's chewing Um, a plug. Uh, Yeah, you know where the plug's going to be, and that's where he goes. But uh, so if you just think about where the party is and what you need to bring along to make it, you make it about them. Now, if you rewind that, I still told you I wanted to be on your show. Right. But now I gave you a reason to want me to be on your show. Okay. People don't do the latter bit. They come up and they go, hey, hey, uh, I'd love to get on your show. Oh, how can I get on your show? Oh, please have me on your show. I'm really interested. You know, I had a guy contact me the other day 
He said, I am the first one-legged person that's ever climbed up, uh, ever climbed up Everest. Or something as severe as that. And he was like, I should be on your podcast. So I responded with why? You know, good for you, mate. You got up Everest with one leg. Hey, fuck does that help me? You know? Right. Now, if he said, if he said, I got over adversity, born with one leg, I managed to get over all the myths and the concepts to actually go for the big thing. In fact, I went big. I went up Everest and I'm going to teach your community how to handle adversity and not live under the same concepts that other people do. Would that be of interest to you, Steve? What would I say? You would probably say yes, I would imagine. But the fact is, he decided to blow his own own trumpet, and that doesn't work. Now, the caveat that I keep putting a needle, uh, putting a pin in, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Or a needle or a nail or whatever you want to put in. Whatever. You know, brick. It's a little pin Um, cushion. I, you said, how do you get the trust of these people? So, two ways. One turn up as their solution. Bring something to their party. Focus on them. Do you know what happens when you focus on somebody else? They stop focusing on you. Right. Okay? Now, I'm not the most attractive guy on the planet. Okay? I mean, I I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. I know, I know. (laughs) But I can't spell for shit. I'm maybe not politically correct. I have been known to indulge in a few too many old fashions and maybe say the wrong thing to the wrong person occasionally, you know? But when you focus on solving someone else's problem, they don't care about that. Today, people launch companies, and what's the first thing they do? we got a brand. I've got a company, Sims Media, okay, at sims.media, shallow plug. That's all we do. We help you market your voice and your brand. But people come along and they go, oh, yeah, I need a brand and I need a website. And I, need, and I go, well, hang on, have you got a client? No, we haven't got a client. I need a brand and do my website. And my say, hang on, are you a solution to anybody? They don't focus on that. The bottom line of it is anyone can have a website and be in business. But if you haven't got a client, you're not in business. Right. Okay? There is no business without a client. So. We always focus on making sure that you show up as a solution. If you can show up as someone's solution, they really couldn't give a shit if you've got a pretty website. But I've got clients of mine in my old concierge firm. I can guarantee you never, ever, ever, ever went to my website. Okay? They would text me. Okay? Why do they need to go to a website? They got my phone number. Right. Okay? So two things. Show up as a solution. Secondly, very, very important, and you kind of qualified this at the beginning try to get someone else to tell you how good you are okay okay now in this situation you mentioned uh podmatch um uh not podmatch max max podmax thank you Close. you mentioned podmax okay so i was on podmax the fact that i was invited on the podmax i already had credibility okay yep. how many times have you been to a seminar you're sat next to someone, you're chatting away with them, they're okay, they're one of the attendees. All of a sudden, they go up on stage, they speak for half an hour, now they're an authority. Yep. Now they're an expert. Now you want to get your selfie with them. You'd spent two hours with them earlier that morning, moaning about the dry old pastries at the seminar. Now you can't get anywhere near them, okay? 
So the bottom line of it is, if I wanted to get near you and I'd been on PodMax, I could have gone to the guys at PodMax and gone, hey, do me a favor. I really want to be on that podcast. If you could help me out, I'll be, I'll be happy to help you with, yeah, again, do a solution for them. Right. And they would contact you. See, let's, let's play a little game for a second. Love games. Hit again, me. you've probably seen all this shit, so pretend <laughs> as though you haven't. But again, I walk into a bar. It's happened once or twice. And you're stood there with your best mate. And I walk up to you and I go, hey, how you doing? My name's Steve Sims. I've worked with Sir Elton John and Elon Musk. I'm a big deal. How are you doing? I ain't checking. I mean, I'd be like, what's this guy's deal? We're also like, we live in Jersey. So we're a little bit more skeptical of people that I think maybe other people are. But, you know, if you just say that, I may just be like, okay, uh, interesting. I don't know if I would necessarily dive in right away. I don't know if I've heard All this right. one before. So I don't know if that's, if that's it. All right. Okay, good. So you obviously haven't. Good. Yeah. Perfect, ex- perfect answer. Okay. Anyone that's listening to this is now going, my God, if you walked up to me and gave me that introduction, I'd throw my beer in your face. You know, I'd laugh at you. I'd be like, Jesus, man, this, this guy is full of himself. Okay. It may even, in New Jersey, it may even start a fight because let's be serious. We're in New Jersey. Anything starts a fight. That's right. So, you know, but it's a whole, if I said that to you, I'd probably be clubbed out there and everyone would be laughing at me. Yeah. But now let's let's reframe it. Let's play the second chapter, the alternative. I walk into that bar in New Jersey and I ignore you. Why shouldn't I? I don't know you. You don't me know me. I walk to the end of the bar, I stick my helmet on the bar, I order my old fashioned, and your best mate elbows you in the ribs and says, You see that guy down there? That's Steve Sims. He's worked with Elton John Elon Musk. That guy's a big deal. Now what are you thinking? Now I'm thinking we got to find a way we can buy that guy an old fashioned and go talk to him. Yep. Yeah. There is nothing better in the planet than getting someone else to actually introduce you. I've gone to parties and people have turned around and gone, so what do you do, Steve? And I'll be next to a client and I'll be like, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, John, what do I do? And I will get the person next to me to tell them what, what to do. I've had people come up to me going, Hey, what do you do? And I'll be like, do you know, Patrick? And then you go, yeah, I know, Patch. Go and ask him. And then when you're finished, I'll be here for an old-fashioned and you can pay for it, you know? Yeah. And they'll be like, what? And they'll be curious, okay? And they'll go up to Patrick and they go, Patrick, what did you do? And I go, oh, that guy, he had me singing on stage with Guns N' Roses. Oh, I went so-and-so and I was hanging out with, with Bruce Willis, you know? So, and then they come back to me going, you did this. Anybody that says something else nice about you, is always a million times better than you saying it about yourself. So you said, how do I get the trust? Two things. One, I show up as the solution to your problem to take your focus off of me. And two, I get one of your mates to get you in front of me, to introduce you to me. So I'm already walking through the room with credibility. And that's how you build up the trust. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's tremendous. And I think that it really... I mean, I do a lot of networking for my job, right? So I go to networking events, I go to lunches, I go out for drinks, I go to, you know, shake hands, kiss babies, schmooze. And I think that one of the things you always see are people that will just come up and be like, I work for this company. Here's my business card. Now I'm going to go over here. What do you guys do? You know, like that kind of stuff. And, and that does nothing. 
You know, like, I mean, no, it's one of those it, it things. Doesn't. Yeah. I don't know if you're allowed to kiss babies now, are you? There's no. probably some kind of anti-kissing babies rights activist out there. Yeah. You well, pre-2020, pre you know, it yeah. was like, you know, the thing. But Until the baby actually gives you written permission, you're not actually allowed to do it. <laughs> but there's probably someone out there now just about to do a banner. Yeah. And right. by well, yeah. The morning yeah. spotlight's about to get canceled. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> appreciate it. Hey, there you go. Yeah, all right. But no, you, you're right. You go to these networking <laughs> events, and it seems to be how many cards can I accumulate? I don't do networking events, okay? I've been to them. I go to them when a client has asked me to be there or I'm speaking at an event and they want me to be at the VIP thing afterwards. But I don't do networking events unless, as I said to you before, it does something for me or right. I've been paid to be there because you do get you get the prat that comes up to you and he's like, hey, hey, oh, you want to, here, let's swap cards. And then they've gone. Okay. A networking event is to establish a rapport and a relationship with somebody. Somebody. Okay. One good conversation is all it takes. Okay. Because a good person tends to know good people. Okay. When you go out there and you're doing like the prairie dog, you're handing, and we've all seen this, they're taking your business card while looking around in the room to see who's walked in that they haven't yet attacked. Yep. It doesn't do anything. The amount of times I've got people's business card and leant behind and just stuck on the bar and go, I'll, I'll leave it there. You know, I'll, I'll yep. pick it up in a minute. And I haven't. You know, I'm not taking it back to the room. I'm not going to cloud up my pocket with your shit paperwork. The other thing is, and here's another thing about business cards. Let's play with this for a second. How many people go to an event, including you, Okay, and hand out business cards. I go with business cards, but I'll give them out only if I find somebody that we can actually start the process of of developing a relationship with. That somebody that makes sense. I'm not going to give it to everybody because it doesn't make any sense. But a lot okay, of people so that I know do. Yeah. Okay, so you filter who you give out your card to. Maybe that's the New Jersey in you. Maybe. All right. Yeah, you're an arsehole and you're very, you know, you're a tight arse and you don't want to have to print more cards. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Again, New Jersey's now going to come out and cancel me. Right, um, yeah. But uh, I love you, New Jersey. I've got some, uh, I've got some <laughs> other special friends in New Jersey. Um, but uh, you, we've said about that you're very scarce on who you give the cards out, but you know people that give out cards willy-nilly, okay? How many people do you know like receiving business cards? Nobody. Like, who likes those? I mean, I have a whole box of, since I started at this company See, four years ago. Thing. I hate it. Even as restrictive as you are, you give out something that you just acknowledge no one likes to receive. Right. I haven't had a business card since, I don't know, 1912. I literally will just go in and someone will go, do you have a business card? And I'll be like, no, I don't. What is your cell phone number? Right. And I will take the cell phone number and I will text him and I'll be like, did you get that, Jimmy? And he'd be like, yeah. And then what I'll do is with my phone, I'll be like, come on in, boy. And I'll take a selfie of us both and I'll text it to him. And I'll be like, that's it. You can't forget me at nine o'clock in the morning when you're pissed. Right? <laughs> and I'll send him that. Now, really, it's for me, okay? Because yeah. now I've got a cell phone number on that cell phone number, I've gone, hey, Jimmy, it's Steve. And I've attached a picture, but I can wake up in the morning and I've now got it. Now, if we start having a conversation, you start talking to me about New Jersey, okay? 
And I've got some people and some friends in New Jersey that, you know, you would find very interesting. In the morning when I wake up, okay, I'll see that and I'll scroll through my pictures and I'll send a picture of you with me with someone who's very special in New Jersey going, hey, you, you reminded me about New Jersey. I remember coming over there and working with these guys. And you'll be like, whoa, I'll send something accurate and interesting and engaging to you. Okay. I'll meet someone who's Italian. Okay. There's a couple of those in New Jersey. A couple. Yeah. And I'll send a picture of them, of the Pope or me with Andrea Bocelli <laughs> and go, hey, I know you're Italian. Do you know this guy? You know, and it'd be a joke. Yeah. Right. But all of a sudden they're like, freaking hell. But it will engage them. Okay. And that's how it starts. You can send them an article. You could be talking about the new laws of title loans. And I could find an article, which I would search for, that argues about, well, let's, let's be specific, title loans. You could very simply, or titles, you could find an article today how it talks about how blockchain is going to change the world of titles. Okay? You've heard about that. We've all heard about it. Yep. I could find an article, and I'll, I could be like, I had a really great chat with you yesterday. I saw this article about how blockchains are going to change. What do you think? Again, people talk about what they know and love. And I've engaged you in focusing on you, not on me. I've just lit the, lit the candle. Right. So that's how I do it. I've always done um, those. And therefore, my introduction can always be. Now, if you notice, everything I've spoken about has been to your industry or to the town city you live in. So it's been to you. Business cards aren't personal. Right. You know? If you need to have a business card, then don't have a business card. Have a QR code, okay, where, the, where you just go, hey, I don't have a lot of business cards. In fact, I only have the one. Take a picture of that. And do you know what happens? They lift that phone up to take a picture of that QR code, and it opens up a page on their, on their phone, and all of a sudden you've got them. Because once you've got them, they're now pixeled. Right. Yeah. No, I think that that's... All great stuff. I think like it's one of those things where like, I mean, I, I do this show partially for my job. So it's trying to find different ways to kind of get engagement. So now I can go up to a client and I'm not just asking for title deals. I'd be like, Hey, you want to come on my show? You know, I know you do this in the real estate world. And you want to come on the show, talk to this audience, all that kind of stuff. And next thing I know, I start getting messages about title work because I'm doing this show. So it's a similar type vibe, yeah. I would imagine. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, all right. So I want to go back to one of the things that you mentioned in one of these answers. I, they have, I forget which one it was, but saying yes. And I've heard you talk on other podcasts and other events. And I think even at the keynote speech about, you know, how you would say yes, basically because you had nothing to lose. So they're like, Hey, can you, you know, get me a, a party in Monaco? And then you got to go figure out where Monaco is. Did that <laughs> change over time with maybe like, because you had nothing to lose at the very beginning, did it change over time as you started to develop this network? And maybe at some point you didn't even realize how vast this network had become. Did that change the way that you would say yes or no? Because I mean, I feel yeah. like it might, right? Um, it, it has to, doesn't it? You know, in the early stages when you're so ignorant and stupid that you, you, you don't know what you're saying yes to. And you, you joked about, you know, saying yes to Monaco when I didn't know where Monaco was. You know, you've heard that from an article. I literally got asked to set someone up to, in, in Monaco. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I had to go back and ask my mate, where's Monaco? Uh, because I'd never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. um, we were living, by the way, in at the time, this is true. I was living in Hong Kong. 
and we had a little island just south of us called Macau. And I didn't know if Monaco was just off of Macau because they sounded similar. You know, yeah. Monaco and Macau. Right. Hey, that next makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but no, I was kind of wrong. Um, rather wrong. But I said yes to a lot of things in the early stages because there was nothing to lose. I had no reputation. Uh, I was just building up what I was doing. Um, but then along the way, I still kept doing that and kept succeeding. Um, and then by the time I started going, oh, shit, I better start kind of like qualify it or I better start going no more often. I started looking at my Rolodex and going, well, hang on a minute. I'm only one degree away from absolutely anybody in the planet. Right. So the thing about doing things is it gives you experience. If it works for you, you've got that experience. If it fails for you, you've got that experience. But you know what they both are? Experience. Right. Do you get educated on whether it went right or whether it went wrong? Education turns into experience. Experience turns into credibility. Credibility turns into confidence. And so all of a sudden, someone's saying to me, and they do do it, they would say to me, can you get me in front of so-and-so? Do you know them? And I'm like, no, I don't, but I could. And they're like, but how could you? Because I've done it before. Right. I don't see how this is going to be different. You know, I went to, I've been in foreign countries. I went to Florence, love Florence, know nobody in Florence, got a couple of clients outside of Florence in Tuscany, and they helped me close down a museum for a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David, just so my clients could have a private dinner. Um, and then halfway through, I had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade him. And I didn't know the museum. I didn't know the chef. I didn't know the security firm. Sure, she didn't know Andrea Bocelli, but I knew people that did. And again, go back to my New Jersey bar story where I walk in, ignore you, but get someone else to make the introduction. I knew people in the music industry that knew Andrea. I knew people in security in Rome that knew people in Florence. I knew people in the, um, the museum world that were donators that I had friends of friends of that made the introduction for me. Right. So I piggyback through. It's always easier to get someone to say something wonderful about you and then you just turn up to close the door on it than trying to like have it opened up by you. Yeah, no, I think that's the, the network. You got to make the network work for you. So you have all these people. You got to be able to leverage that and know that they trust you and they can get the job done for you. So I think those are some fantastic points. So one of the things that I, I think that I, I know you've, you've spoken on quite a bit is like the authenticity thing, because there could be people listening to this show and the demographics of this show are roughly people between the ages of 25 and 35. So they're either entrepreneurs, they're new in their careers or all this kind of stuff new to networking, you know, like I was new to networking up until maybe like four years ago. And, you know, I think that one of the things that I think that may people may listen to you, someone like you start talking and how you have all these connections and your energy level and the way that you just kind of put it all out there. And they're like, well, I can't do that. There's no way I can do, I can do that. Is that something like, is that's like a real fear that people should have? I mean, cause I think authenticity is kind of a bastardized version of what it actually should mean. I think that people look like, like like you, you're authentic. And that means you got to be loud. You got to be brash. You got to do your thing. Even someone like I? me, a little Am bit, I? a little bit, you know, no, no, no. Uh, I'm, look, I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing with the brashness. Right. But am I authentic? 
Well, I think that someone would look at you because I think that the way that people think of authentic is they look at someone like you and be like, well, to be authentic, I need to be like Steve Sims. I can't be like a quiet reserve type person. I need to be loud and obno- I almost said obnoxious, but loud, you know? But I think that that's one of the things that with authenticity, the way that it's like people think of it I, now. And that's why I think that people are scared off from it. All right. So let's break that down because break you down. just pissed me off. Um, <laughs> I hate the word authenticity. Right. Okay. And you would have found a number of times where it just sparks me off. No one knows what the freaking hell it is. And there's nothing worse than someone turning around and going, oh, look at that person. He's so authentic. What the fuck's that mean? Right. It means that he's easy to understand. You don't have to try or use any energy to get where this person's coming from. Right. Okay. I'm not authentic. I'm transparent. Right. Okay. When you meet me, when you're talking to me now, you're getting some kind of vision of who I am. Some kind of, well, he's this kind of guy because he's on a show. You meet me in the bar, buddy, and I'm the exact same person, okay? So the bottom line of it is never, ever, ever make a client work to understand who you are. There's an old saying that the difference, there's a big difference between being easy to understand and impossible to misunderstand. I'm so transparent. I am, I'm, I'm see-through, right. okay? I make it, so, look, this is me. You're going to like me or you're going to, hate me, but you're not going to be sitting on the fence. Yep. Okay. I've got no fences. I've got no one out there now listening to your podcast going, you know, I, he's, he's a lot deeper than he sounds. I think he's trying to say this, but I'm not too sure. No, yep. no, no one confused is ever going to give you that checkbook. That's the bottom line there. And this whole reverence with authenticity, you see, every time you point at someone and go, wow, look at him, he's authentic. You've just acknowledged that the rest of the room you're in are not. Yep. Authenticity is about transparency. Whether you're quiet, whether you're loud, whether you're big, tall, fat, slim, whatever, be you, show up as you, do not dilute to please the crowd. They may badge you as authentic, but you're being transparent and that's what you've got to go for. And the bottom line of it is in the years of COVID with all of this distraction, disturbance, noise, fake news, uh, uh, oppression, uh, conspiracy theories, all of these kind of things, we yearn for transparency. We yearn to be able to go, hey, I'm going to buy this. There's a reason that Starbucks and McDonald's are the two best-selling brands worldwide. And it's not because they make the best burgers in the planet or they make the best coffee in the, in, the, in the planet. It's because they are the exact same wherever they are. There's no deviance to, if you like them, you like them. If you don't like them, don't go over here and buy one from over here because it's going to be the exact same thing. All right? That's got to be you today. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I 1 million percent agree because I, I host a lot of rooms on Clubhouse and some other platforms and we talk about podcasting or whatever. And people are always like, you got to try to be authentic. You got to try to be authentic. I'm like, that's such an oxymoron. Like, why would you try to be you? Just be you. Yeah, exactly. They just, should, just the beautiful it. thing about this, it takes no effort to be this. Yeah. 
It's, None at all. Yeah. yeah, it's remarkably easy to upset a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just talented at it. <laughs> right, very good at it. And and I knew, so you said that I pissed you off, but I knew that that was going to happen. And I just, for the sake Ooh. of the show, I had to poke the bear. I had oh, to poke the bear. Oh, you're good. You're devious. <laughs> very devious. Um, all right, so talk to me also about, so you started this thing all on your own right? Uh, seemingly on yeah. your own. I mean, obviously yeah, you, have a, all my own. Yeah, you have a network yeah. of people, but that's one thing. But as you've grown in this entrepreneurial journey, you've obviously had to, I would imagine you're not doing it all on your own right now. You had no. to bring on teams of people. So talk to me about maybe the, the idea of like bringing on people that can resonate with the message and the vibe of what you're doing in order to keep the consistency of connecting with all these rich, famous, whatever, powerful people, is that how important is that to the overall Steve Sims brand? Oh, my God. Um, so I learned this from some of my clients um, when I would ask them. See, the good thing is I realize how stupid I am, okay? Uh, acknowledged, it's tattooed on me, you know, stupid person lives here. So anything that ever comes up, anything, you know, if I need my motorbike repaired, if I need to make a good old fashioned, and these are examples, you know, if I need someone to negotiate the contract on my book, if I need to build up uh, marketing for my stage presence, if I need anything, I pick up my phone and I look through my Rolodex at who is the top of the game in that I have contacted top level bartenders from hotels or restaurants that maybe my clients own that have done a video walkthrough on how to make the perfect old-fashioned. I've had that, you know? The book, I got the book contract. What do I know about writing a book? My buddy Jay Abraham knows a thing or two. So I went and got drunk with him, and we put together a, a bowl, and I got the contract. I don't know how to market the book out there. So I went and spoke to people about marketing the book. I rely on other people. If I knew how to do better podcasts, I could talk to you because you do podcasts, okay? I'm very quick to go out and ask for information. So when I realized that, hey, this is getting bigger than me, I need to employ people, one of the most daunting times of my life. So I went and asked people, and I went to Silicon Valley to some people up there, and I went, hey, how do you recruit people? You know, And I went to them because this was in the 90s where they're talking about, well, this is going to change the world. You know, and everyone's like, well, you're a freaking idiot, you know. Um, and now he's called Larry Page and he owns Google. Right. Uh, so, you know, is those kind of conversations. How do you get people to buy into your dream and serve under the same culture? And they all told me the exact same thing. We don't recruit on resume. We recruit on culture. Well, that sounds great. What the fuck's that mean? He said, right. your resume, everyone's resume can look fantastic. But if you're not in line with our same mission, with our same understanding, our same point, our same why, then eventually there's going to be a rub. But if you share the same vision for change, if you share the same belief, if you share the same culture about what we're trying to achieve, Hey, I can train you how to use that widget. I can send you on a course to learn how to use that program. So we recruit on culture, not on a resume. 
And I was like, oh, good. That's, that's good. So I went out and I would recruit people. And people, you know, why do you want to come and work with me? And my concierge thought, oh, I want to hang around with rich people. Well, no. <laughs> no, you know, that's, I'm, not, I'm not employing you then. So right. you know, why do you want to do it? I love the challenge of doing something bigger than what someone can conceive and think of for themselves. All right. That's the person I kind of want. And so, yeah, I made mistakes again, you know, sure. experience comes three seconds after you needed it, but I've <laughs> recruited people before and gone, ah, crap, you know, start the stopwatch. Cause I'm going to have to fire them. You know, I've had people like that. I think my, I think my shortest was a day, you know, I, I had someone and I went, you know, I made a mistake two days ago by bringing you in. You know, hopefully you can see it. I can see it. I ain't going to work here. Let's save ourselves the time. You know, see you later. Yeah. Um, so one person was a day. So you've got to, you've got to recruit on culture. You've also got to look at what do you need. Like at one stage, I had 60 people that worked with me or for me. And I realized that that was too many. Yeah. You know, I had all these people that I was paying on a Friday. For what? Now I run an international media company, coaching, spe- speaking, Sims Distillery. Still look after my top clients in the concierge industry. We have three. We have three employees in the company aside from me and my wife. Three. And underneath those three, we have VAs and we have temporary workers as we need them. So I could have a I could throw a dinner party in, in Tuscany tonight with 30 people bowing to your every whim based on the connections I have and the reach that I have to bring the people I need in as and when I need them. Right. So, uh, but, I, but I retain people on culture and, uh, and why. Yeah, no, I love that. Because I think that a lot of people, especially people that are maybe in that age bracket, coming out of college, you know, that younger 21 to 25 age. And they're like, you look, they're looking at all these job descriptions and it's like for an entry level position, you need five to 10 years of experience. And it's like, well, I'm fucking 21. Like, how do I even get that? It's, it's just not going to happen. I think that the culture side of it is very important. I think that's changing because what was around five years ago that still is today. That's true. Apart from, apart from syphilis. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, you know, certain things, the, the, web, the web's changed. The world changed. You mentioned Clubhouse. 12 months ago, no one knew what bloody Clubhouse was. Right. So uh, NFTs, cryptocurrencies, you know, it's about how can you turn around and go, hey, I'm only going to rep- recruit someone that's an expert in NFTs that has had five years experience. <laughs> yeah, right. How yeah. can you do that? It doesn't so, work. No, it, so I think things are changing now. We've seen Silicon Valley, for argument's sake, remove the requirement for degrees because I know a lot of dumb as shit people that have got degrees. Uh, and it is not, it is not a badge that you are going to be smart. Yeah. It's a badge that you can read a book and regurgitate the right answers as dictated. So you're a great sheep and yeah. that will get you a degree. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So I have one more question before we get into our closing segment. So you mentioned in that last answer, Sims distillery. So I need to know more about what that is. Can you explain that more? Yeah, I, I put together, again, it was a, it was a fuck up. Um, I put together an online course, which had all my videos and my step by step. And you could buy this course. I don't even know how much it was. I don't know, 400 bucks or something like this. And you could buy this course and it would teach you how to do this. And I hated it. 
okay? How many people have ever bought a diet book and never read it? They bought a book on programming, never read it, okay? The, the, the result is in the action, not in the purchase. And I realized by actually selling a course, I was actually becoming part of the problem. You would buy the course, resent me that you had bought it because you had done nothing with it. Right. So it was a screw up. So I, I closed it. And then I opened it up two years later. It took me two years to readjust it. And I opened it up under Sims Distillery at simsdistillery.com. And now it's a community. So it's still got the same videos. If you've got time, there's videos in there that I've never put anywhere else. I will do videos and put them in there on subjects, on thought process, on movements that's going on in relationships, sales, connection, making relationships, all these kind of things, the videos will go in there. But when you're a member of Sims Distillery, you also get to be a member of my private Speakeasy Facebook group. And in there, twice a month, I bring in an expert to answer your problems. So you will literally go in there and go, Steve, I've got a problem with, I forget things. You know, I can never bloody remember things. And you go, fine, fair enough. And so you bring in Jim Quick that teaches you how to remember things. You know, how do I build this system out? How do I build this scalability? Great. I'll bring in Russell Brunson or I'll bring in Ari Mizell. How do you do this? Oh, I'll bring in Joe Polish or I'll bring in Jay Abraham. I kind of know some cool people. Yep. And so I bring experts in, whether it be a, a specialist in FBI negotiation or someone who specializes in uploading YouTube videos and getting a bigger distribution and followership. I'll bring these people in twice a month. You get to ask them questions. They answer your questions. And then that recording gets uploaded into Sims Distillery so you can go back to it as many times as you like. Awesome. Love that. Awesome. Awesome stuff. All right. So let's move the show into our closing segment, which we call under the spotlight. So the spotlighters, which is what I call the audience have been listening to Mike Ham and Steve Sims talk for uh, about 50 minutes, right? So what would be, we've covered a lot and there's been a lot of just great stuff throughout this episode. Uh, so what would be one thing that you would want them to walk away from this episode with? So you are under the spotlight. Well, a lot of good things have been said and a lot of bollocks. Um, <laughs> stop thinking and start doing. Jay Abraham paid me one of the greatest compliments that I have yet to be. He said to me, I've got a greater I can than an IQ. Um, it's a little bit of a backslap, but the bottom line of it is I do. And then I think about it. Stop putting a business plan. If you've got a business plan that's taking up any more room than the back of a postcard, forget it. I will, out of my bank account, personal guarantee, wire to anyone listening $1 million. I'm hyping this up nicely. Here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will wire $1 million if you can send me a business plan from 2018 that says we're going to do real well, we're going to get great sales, great traction, or by the way, we're going to park our ass for a year because of a worldwide pandemic. No one knew it was coming. A business plan is an idea of the future. Get your idea and then start going, okay, and learn along the way. I've launched companies based on that. Oh, I'm going to launch this. Bang, this afternoon, bought the URL. Tomorrow, start building the website. That afternoon, plugging it on social. Two days later, putting it out there and going, well, this is shit. Just like Sims Distillery, and then you can tweak it. But you can only tweak on momentum. 
You can only edit on progress. You can't edit from your pencil and presentation. So get going, then get good, but stop thinking too much. Love it. Love it. And that honestly, you know, not to toot my own horn, that's how this show started. I didn't listen to podcasts before. I was just like, I'm going to start a podcast. And then I just did it. And then I had t-shirts in the mail and I was like, well, I better figure this out because they had my face on them. I'm like, this is going to look really stupid if I have somebody like, what's the morning spotlight with my cam? And it's like, oh, this podcast that I started and never actually got off the ground or this podcast that <laughs> sucked and then had to stop it. But we figured it out and we've adjusted over time and have evolved quite a bit since the very beginning. So, uh, Steve, if people need more Steve Sims and I can't imagine they wouldn't want it, let's hit them <laughs> with some links. So what are some links that you would give them to go find more of you? Well, I'm easier to catch than COVID. Um, you can get me at Steve D. Sims. Make sure the D's in there for dashing. And there's only one M in Sims. Steve D. Sims, absolutely anywhere. Um, I'm big on Instagram. I don't know if I'm big. I'm, I'm fat everywhere. Um, but I'm on Instagram. I'm on um, stevedsims.com. We'll tell you about my events, my coaching. You can find out about simsdistillery.com from stevedsims.com. So I'm pretty easy, which is a lesson for everyone. Don't have too many different URLs or links. Get one and stick it everywhere. Love it. Awesome. Good piece of advice as well. Uh, I will put my links in the show notes as well. TheMorningSpotlight.com and TheMorningSpotlight at gmail.com are the e website and email address. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. This was as expected off the charts. Really pumped to have this one uh, in the can and ready to post uh, when it does. So thank you so much for coming on with us today. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot, man. Look at awesome. yourself. Absolutely. And the Spotlighters, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.